Thanks for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City Podcast. Our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. If you'd like to visit us in person, we are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway here in beautiful Johnson City, Tennessee. You can become a giving partner by visiting us at BelieversChurchJC.com. We love you, we are praying for you, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for being with us today. It is a wonderful, wonderful day uh, to be here. If you came here with any anticipation whatsoever regarding last week, if you were here, today is going to be better. I just want to let you guys know that I don't think you believe that, though, because you're just like, just this place is so quiet this morning. It's so weird. It's abnormal for us. So maybe the Holy Spirit is really going to have to wake us up this morning so that we can see what it is that we need to see. Still, okay, I'm going to have to really try hard today. All right, well, welcome. We're glad that you're here today. The time changed last week. I guess it was that the extra hour that you got last week had you fired up then. Uh, One of the greatest moves of God in the modern era was dubbed the Welsh Revival of 1904. It was one of the most dramatic in terms of its effect on the population, and it triggered revivals in several other countries. The movement kept churches in Wales filled for many generations to come, as it also swept across the rest of Britain, Scandinavia, parts of Europe, North America, and mission fields, in India, the Orient, Africa, and areas of Latin America. There are still areas of the world today that are experiencing the after effects of the Welsh revival of 1904. So here is a direct quote from someone who attended. If it be asked why the fire of God fell on Wells, the answer is simple. Fire falls where it is likely to catch and spread. As another person said, Wells provided the necessary tender. Here were thousands of believers unknown to each other in small towns, villages, and great cities crying out to God day after day for the fire of God to fall. This was not merely a little talk with Jesus, but daily agonizing intercession. Wow. What is it that we really know and understand in the 21st century about daily agonizing intercession? Most of us that are pastoring in the 21st century have come to this conclusion. The things that we've tried to do to revive churches and spark movements in the past simply fall flat as it pertains to true heart transformation and life change in the individual. But the difference that we see, and the only thing with historical accuracy that works, is daily agonizing intercession. People crying out to God as their only hope for real transformative life change. So today we're in the second part of a four-week series. We're talking about the ingredients for an outpouring or an awakening or true revival movement of God. As we look forward today, what we want to do is make our second commitment. So the commitment that we made last week was a commitment to cleansing or a commitment to repentance, meaning that if we're going to see a move of God in this region like we've never seen before, there has to be a posture of repentance that started in this place last week. 
So what we're going to be talking about today with commitment number two is a commitment to expectation. A commitment to expectation. And I'm wondering, with the looks I'm seeing in this place right now, and how some of you came in here this morning, are you really expecting God to do the impossible? Are you really expecting a movement of God in this place like we have never seen before? So we are going to welcome what God has for us. We're just going to welcome it in with a heart of expectation. We are going to be hopeful people ready for the future that God has in store. Not the possibility of the future that God has in store, but what is actually there. We are going to practice the faith and the boldness and the willingness to step into that further today. So we've taken care of some of the old wine. We have this place of cleansing that has taken place. And now we look forward with expectation at what it is that God wants to do. So this morning I want to share a story of you, a story of expectation that also has to do with the power of anointing that is also going to be very important for what we experience. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. If you don't have your Bible, that's completely okay. We're going to have it up here on the screen. You can also use your phone, but we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16 And we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And then we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. Many of you, as we read this story, are going to be familiar with it. But I promise you that today we are going to look at it in a way that you've maybe never considered before. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. This is what the Word of God says. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and get ready. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found my next king among his sons. How can I do that, Samuel asked. When Saul hears of this, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say to him, I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will make it clear to you what you should do. You will anoint for me the person that I point out to you. Samuel did what the Lord instructed. When he came to Bethlehem, the city elders came to meet him. They were shaking with fear. Do you come in peace, they asked. Yes, Samuel answered, I've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Now make yourselves holy and then come with me to the sacrifice. Samuel made Jesse and his sons holy and invited them to the sacrifice as well. When they arrived, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, that must be the Lord's anointed right there. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at the things like humans do. Aren't we thankful for that? Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Jesse called for Abinadab, who presented himself to Samuel, and he said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So Jesse presented Shema, but Samuel said, nope, the Lord hasn't chosen this one. Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hasn't picked any of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Is that all of your boys? 
And he says, there is still the youngest one, Jesse answered, but he's out keeping the sheep. Send for him, Samuel told Jesse, because we can't proceed. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. So Jesse sent and brought him. He was reddish brown and had beautiful eyes and was good looking. The Lord said, that's the one. Go anoint him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him right there in front of his brothers. The Lord's spirit came over David from that point forward. Then Samuel left and went to Ramad. So here is my focus today as we look at this story. When we have expecting hearts, we become a church that lives under the anointing power of God. So what I'm calling out for some of you that are in here right now, if you just came to here, uh, here today as church as usual, right in this moment, to develop an expecting heart about what God wants to do. This is the heartbeat of any renewal movement. So here is the question regarding expectation. Do you believe that God will provide the necessary resources whenever we fall short? Do you really believe that? Or in a psychological way, is God just a casual friend? Is God something that you only go to whenever you're in trouble? Or is there this expectation within your heart that God literally not only wants what's best for you, but wants what's best for his creation and what he made? So I want us to enter into this space today believing in the God of the impossible. Believing that God wants to perform miracles in our midst if we are willing to pay attention. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is close your eyes for just a second. Close your eyes. And if you're not comfortable with this, you don't have to do this. No one is looking around. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just if you want to receive today, and if you have an expecting heart, simply to put your hands out in front of you as if you're ready to receive. No one is looking around at you today. No one is paying attention if this is uncomfortable for you. But if you are desiring to receive something from God today and you expect that he is a God of promise, put your hands out today and keep those hands out. Father, we come to you this morning lifting you up and praising you, knowing and understanding fully that you are the God of the impossible. Block any of the distractions that we have, Father. Help us to put our phones away and help us to look at our lives on planet Earth and be present in this moment right now, refusing to leave this place the way that we walked into this place today, in the place in our marriages in the place in our secret lives, in the place in our work life. God, wherever we may be in our relationships with other people, God, that we are expecting a mighty work from you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. So the vats of new wine have been opened again. So what do we notice next? What do we notice next is this. God has plans for an anointing. God wants the absolute best for us. God refuses for us to be average in any way, form, or fashion. That was not the calling on your life. That is not what you are supposed to be. So for you to clock in or work your salary job, your nine to five, go throughout your life and make whatever is religious in your life this small part, it was never his calling. 
It was never his calling for churches. It was never his calling for Israel. It was never his calling for the people of God. God wants something more, and you have the ability faithfully to step into that place today. To step into that. The question is, are you going to exercise the faith to step into that place today? This is what verse 1 says. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? I have rejected him as the king of Israel. Fill your horn with oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found the next king among his son. You know what God is telling him to do? You know what God is telling to Samuel, this prophet in this moment? Stop grieving over the old things, which is King Saul. Stop grieving over this old thing. You know why this is so valuable to us today? Because some of you, as you left it at the altar last week, you've picked your old thing back up on, on Sunday evening or on Monday afternoon, and you're carrying that thing again. You've taken the old thing that you have put to death, and you've tried to resurrect it. But what you've noticed, if you really let it go, is that you could not find the pleasure in that thing this week that you've previously found the pleasure in. All of a sudden, whenever you bring up these things that you tried to put to death and then resurrect, you can no longer get the sense of enjoyment or pleasure that you had. Why? Because this thing is dead now. You've been given the invitation to completely step in to this new thing. God did not give you the strength to get back on your feet so that you could go back to the thing that knocked you down. A commitment to cleansing last week creates the conditions for a new thing. Even though you may have not recognized that you stepped into holy ground in this place this morning, and God wants to bring about transformation in your life. If you are looking for an average church service, if you are looking for somewhere that you can just come in and fit in and not be any part and not be shaken and not hear the truth, you are in the wrong place this morning. Because we are working with people who are willing to step out. This can't be one or two people. This has to be people who see that my life is incomplete. I continue to go to the same things over and over. And I can acknowledge at this point, after confession and repentance, that these things simply do not work any longer. So a commitment to cleansing creates the conditions for this new thing. It starts to break up the fallow ground in your life so you can see the possibility of all these new expectations that are before you. God is sending us in a specific direction that only the cleansed can go. And this is what he is saying today. Fill your horn and get ready. You're saying, what in the world does that mean? Fill your horn and get ready. Look toward the fields where the shepherds are. So this language about filling our horns, what does this mean? You don't want to miss this today. When God tells a person to fill their horn with oil and get ready, it usually means a couple of things. The first is this. Something good is coming. And I can promise you this. You're not seeing it right now. Something good is coming. But then number two, you're probably not going to see this good thing coming. And the reason you're not going to see this good thing coming, and the reason that Samuel couldn't see this good thing coming, is because you're looking toward a kind of leader 
a kind of environment or a certain kind of crowd that is actually not being called out. God pours the anointing out on people that we often look over. We are moving into an era of expectation. We are moving into a completely new place. And you are going to feel funny. And you are going to feel out of place if you're still trying to hold on that everything culture has for you. Because at the end of the day, some of you are starting to see after last week, it's empty. It's empty promises. There is nothing there and there is no casual way to do this. You're either all in completely and fully. God, we expect you to do these things. Not the things that we want. Because again, he's going to defy these expectations over and over and over. Which brings us to the next point. An anointing isn't always poured out on the one that you would expect. And this is good news for every single person in here that struggles with any level of self-doubt or struggles with any sense of shame and constantly punishing themselves on a regular basis. People who constantly tell themselves, I don't make the part, I don't have enough schooling, I don't have enough knowledge, I don't have enough of this, I don't have enough of that. An anointing is being poured out on people that we would not expect. It's also not always poured out on the church that you'd expect. You see, Samuel is wise. Samuel is gifted. Samuel is chosen. But make no mistake about it, Samuel was wrong about who was going to be anointed. Sometimes prophets are wrong. Sometimes they don't get it exactly right. God is the one who reveals the anointing. Verses 6 and 7 tells this, when they arrived, Samuel looked at Eliab and he thought, that must be the Lord's anointed right there. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever looked at somebody and because of their qualifications and because of maybe their physical attraction or their stature or because of everything, all of their seminary degrees and everything that it looks like, you walk into a situation and you say, that has got to be, you probably, if you're new here today, looked at 10 people before me thinking that must be the pastor, not that guy. God defies the expectations every single time. I have no business being on this stage. I have no business being in this place right now. And it's the exact same thing in your life, yet we cover ourselves with shame and with fear and with doubt. And you know, his sons are standing there and they're looking so good and God's just like, keep going through them. But I'm still going to have you to look out into the fields to the boy that didn't even receive an invitation to the party. That is where you're supposed to look. Expectation? Where are our hearts today? We're, we're, we're expecting our promotions. We're expecting our next child. We're expecting all of these things, but we're not expecting God to do what he says he's going to do. Because we're in such a place of spiritual dryness and spiritual deadness. And some of you grew up in churches where this, I sound like a crazy person right now because I expect God to work. That's insane. I'm actually talking about what the Bible talks about. We're actually stepping into something here that looks different than what others are doing. And it's scaring some of you to death. Beth told me last week, she's like, you're just like a rubber band about to snap at any moment. That's very possible. Anyway, back to the passage. That must be the Lord's anointing right in front. This is what he said. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature. 
because I haven't selected him. And again, the good news, God doesn't look at things the way that humans do. So for those of you that are in here, God could never use me. I have this past. I have these struggles. There is no way that God could do that. God is saying, look to the fields. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes. But the Lord sees unto the heart. And here's the cool part about that. There are some of you in here right now, like myself, you're, you're not that special, maybe. You don't feel like in a, you know, in a crowd you're going to stand out. But God sees your heart. And this is how simple that is. For some of you in here that are teenagers, for some of you in here that feel like you're past your prime, for some of you that are in here and you feel like because of your past, people are always bringing that up in your heart, this is what you're saying. God, I'm really struggling, but I just want what you want for me. And that is enough. That is enough every single time. So what you're being challenged to do today is simply walk into that. That's all you have to do. And he takes care of everything else. Do you know why we should always be praying over the leaders that we choose? Because we are likely to choose the prepared candidate in the front. And God is choosing the righteous candidate from the fields. Some of you are in here right now. You're in this place right now. And God is pushing you further into that. So God sends Samuel out looking for the next king. He's a prophet. This means he should be able to sense and know these things. But this is what God is saying to his prophet. I'm about to baffle all expectations. I'm about to show you something that you've never seen before. I'm about to show the region that you live in. If you are faithful, will faithfully step in to what I have for you. I'm going to show you something that you've never seen before. Oh, you're 14, 15 years old? I don't care. David was a kid. Oh, you're 87, 88 years old? Doesn't matter. That's not kingdom language. That's chronological earth language. It doesn't matter. Oh, you don't have a degree? You're a newer Christian, so you don't think you know the Bible very well? Doesn't matter. I'm looking for the righteous candidates in the field, not the people who just know to show up for the party. That's who he's looking for. And that is so many of you today because this thing here goes nowhere. If the laity is not empowered to step into their gifting, and that is the people that are in this room right now, I'm not opposed to giving a 16 or 17-year-old a, a position of prominence in a church. I'm not opposed to giving someone who doesn't have a seminary degree, as long as they have and meet the qualifications of spiritual maturity, an important role. Because I'm looking to the fields. And I'm not looking to the qualified candidates that are, that are trying to climb over everybody else to get into a position. And neither is God. So God sends him out. So maybe you don't consider yourself to be important. Maybe you don't consider yourself to be worthy. Maybe you see that the church is supposed to move forward in this direction, but you've made too many mistakes or you're not good enough. God has been using people like you from the beginning. Now, I don't understand this, but train wrecks meet the basic criteria for anointed leadership. And that makes no sense whatsoever because some of you, I've heard people even explain themselves. Well, I, I, I'm a former addict. I, I, I didn't finish high school. 
I struggle with this, I'm divorced, I'm just a train wreck. And that's how they end up. You are in the right place today. Because with a repentant heart, you simply move in to what God has for you today. Sometimes the anointing takes everyone by surprise. And this is what my heart of expectation tells me today. That there are going to be people in this room right now that the calling of God or the direction that they're supposed to move forward in is clarified today. It's clarified in a way in which you recognize I've shuffled my feet, I've struggled with this, I don't, know the, I don't have the resources or the tools or the things necessarily, which all you need is prayer. All you need is prayer and faithfulness. And you will be amazed at the people that will mobilize around you. And Beth started talking about the hope bags. Well, I'm not sure if this is going to work or not. She says, yes, people mobilize around her. That's the way it works every single time when God is doing it. And then all of a sudden, you're just absolutely blown away because you're like, I was just out in the field working. And now all of a sudden, God wants to do these amazing things in my life. So Samuel literally says, after all the other sons have went through, I'm not going to sit down. Like, I'm literally not even going to take a seat until we see this kid that's from the fields. Because this, this is the only one left. Like, this has to be something special. This is the way it says in verse 11. So then Samuel asked Jesse, is that all of your boys? Because I think Samuel's probably even got some doubt at this point. David didn't even get the invitation. And he says, well, they're still the youngest one. I don't even feel like there's a super positive tone when he says it that way. <laughs> well, they're still the youngest one. You know, there's, there's, there's still Matt. You know, but Jesse answered, but he's out keeping the sheep, almost giving an excuse like, I'm not going to go get him and, and bother him with his job. God says, I've got another job for him. He's about to be elevated from the bottom to the top because of his faithfulness. And that's the only criteria that he needed in his life. So he, keep, he sends for him, and Jesse told him, we can't proceed until he gets here. So when I came to this church, just so you guys know, for those of you that don't have a past or a history with this church, some of the people in leadership told me, and some of the people, just because of some things that have been going on, some people told me, we're not sure if anybody even wants us. And another person said to me, if we have a pastor here, they are going to have to be brought kicking and screaming. Well, God found one <laughs> that was kicking and screaming from Kentucky. But here's the thing, and my wife wasn't even awake with me on these lonely nights. I didn't think anybody wanted me. I was leaving this church that I felt like I was supposed to be in for the rest of my life, and I felt like nobody wants me. And isn't that like God's framework for how things work? If there was a Jesus E harmony, we'd be like the perfect couple, just so you know. Because it's like everything went and worked the way that it was supposed to. David was even overlooked by his own family. But God chose him because he saw his heart. Where is your heart today? You see, some of your heart's in this place where you're just like, ah, I'm just going to come out here kind of once a month, see what's going on, make sure we've got all these other things taken care of. Other people are like, well, I kind of I understand what he was talking about last week. I need to kind of make this step, but I'm just not sure. It's not real rational. Like, it doesn't kind of seem to make sense and flow with everything else that makes sense in culture. That's your first problem. And then there are other people in here that are saying this right now. I'm not special. I'm not popular. I question a lot of the things about me, but I want this. 
Like, I really, really want this. And I am going to be a person of expectation. Maybe you're in a place where there's kind of a fork in the road and you don't know exactly what to do with school or your relationships or your work or whatever might be going on. But God sees that your heart is visible and that you are willing to walk forward. And that is the only requirement. Everything else in your spiritual journey will take care of itself if you simply have a willing heart for the things of God. That's it. And that's what the expectation is that's here, that's here for that this morning. So hearts that want an outpouring. You need to hear this if you lack the confidence. Hearts that want an outpouring receive an outpouring. They receive an outpouring today if they want and desire an outpouring. Now you might be thinking, what do I do with all this? How does this make sense in the grand scheme of things and how do I go forward? And here is the primary takeaway that I want you to have today. A new thing isn't manufactured. It's manifested. A new thing, what we're talking about, isn't manufactured, it's manifested. And this is what I mean because churches are trying to do this all over our county, all over our city, and all over our country, and all over the world. We don't create it through plans or programs. We cry out for desperate prayer or through agonizing intercession. Do you understand that? We don't build it, we pray it. We don't strategize it, we prophesy it. This is how it comes about in our midst. So when we talk about daily agonizing intercession, what does this prayer look like and what is it that we have to have burning within us? It's prayer that doesn't anticipate shortcuts. It's prayer that fills the anointing, and some of you feel that today in this place, and you know there's more within reach. And let me tell you something. Beyond this sermon, as we will open up these altars, that anointing is within reach for you. That anointing is within reach for this place in a deeper way. Are you starting to feel the gravitational pull and the anticipation toward the things of God and away from the things that don't work? Prayer that relies on God and looks away from other resources. Meaning these are things that you can't go to a podcast about. These are things that you can't go to a book about. These are some of the few things that you go straight to the source whenever you're seeking it. Prayer that is desperate. Prayer that is expecting. Prayer that painfully cries out for a new thing. The amount of people that we are able to mobilize around daily agonizing intercession will be the catalyst for a movement of God in this place. Now, I want you to hear this today. It's not that we want a breakthrough and God doesn't come through because that's what we tell ourselves all the time. We want a breakthrough. We want a breakthrough. God needs to do these things, but as usual, He's not coming through. It's that God wants a breakthrough, but we resist. It's that God wants this historical moment right now, but you're holding on. That's exactly where it is. It's not that God doesn't want to pour it out and then all of a sudden he didn't come through. It's that God wants this for us. But there are people in this room right now holding on to stuff that will one day perish. Be careful of your understanding. 
Let it go. It's not worth it. And step in with expectation to what God has for you. And this is what I believe with all of my heart. And I need you to hear this today. And I need you to remember this. The rooted faithfulness in the way of Jesus 75 years from now in the Northeast Tennessee region, I believe, is connected to the current expectations of the people that are in this room right now. You have an opportunity to build a future. You have an opportunity to step into things because I visualize something in my mind. It's like Samuel is saying to the mayor of Johnson City, is that all the churches in town? Is that all of them? And then the mayor says, well, there's that warehouse over in Boone's Creek. I guess you can go check it out if you want to. And Samuel says, I'm not going to sit down until I see it. And I'm not going to sit down until I'm in that place. And I see the expectation of the people and what's going on there. The rooted faithfulness in the way of Jesus 75 years from now through the lives of our children and our community is connected to the current expectations of the people that are in this room right now. Will we consciously make the decision to let them go and continue to let culture invade? Let go of preconceived notions, your expectations, your experiences. And look to the fields where the shepherds are. Look to the fields where the shepherds are. Pray for what you wouldn't look for and pray for what you wouldn't expect. There you will find the anointing power of God that is followed by an outpouring. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning. I want to ask you as we pray, especially as we, as we took our hands out with, with a heart and a desire uh, for expectation. How do we cry out with expectation? Uh, the truth is, as the Spirit moves through this place right now, that some of you need the experience of accepting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the first time today. And that is the expectation that the people around you, your friends or your spouse, have for you right now is that today is the day that you can step out. Come up and talk to me. Come up and talk to, to Dad with the expectation. Some of you need to see loved ones in your family saved, and you've been doubting that that is possible. I pray that you have an expecting heart. Some of you need freedom from trauma Maybe at the hands of someone religious. Depression, addiction, step forward today with that expectation. Some of you are suffering a recent loss. Some of you have had an absolutely horrible week where you've went back and you've picked up some of the old things because you've not felt that God was there. Some of you are being called. You're being called out deeper not only into a life that is different, but for some of you into a specific kind of work that is different. I feel that in this place today. Expect God to do 
what he said he would always do. These next few moments as we worship is an opportunity. If you need to use this altar, if you need to kneel down somewhere and pray to exercise the faith collectively that moves mountains. Father, we come to you this morning and we lift you up and we praise you, God, and we expect you to pour out your Holy Spirit so deep, specifically, God, in the lives of, of, of married couples, God, in the lives of individuals that are struggling with their singleness, God, those who have purposely, intentionally, or unintentionally pushed themselves far away from you. And God, I pray that you create such a culture of of, of daily agonizing intercession and prayer that is so deep, Father, that we just continue to watch the work and the things that you are going to do. Father, keep these vats of new wine open, Father, so that this experience can trickle and be poured out on every single person that is with us today. Father, let our hearts beat for the future with a heart of expectation. We lift you up and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys- Thanks again for listening to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. Make sure you join us again next week. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and information about Believer's Church. God bless and have a great day.